Welcome to How Do You Write? I'm your host, Rachel Heron. On this podcast, I talk to authors about how they write, what their process is, and how their lives fit together. I'll keep each episode short so you can get back to writing. Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode number 19 of How Do You Write? Today, I am talking to Larissa Brown, and I'm really pleased to do so. She wrote one of my favorite books in a lot of years. I absolutely love Beautiful Wreck. I had a chance to read it in uh, advanced reader copy uh, a couple years ago, and it's just incredible. So can't wait to chat with her. Uh, You will like it too. And uh, just a little catch up on how my week has been. Uh, Remember last week when I joked about my incredible editor at uh, Random House Australia and how fast she was and how she'd get the manuscript back to me in like four days? I was totally kidding. She is fast but I didn't think she was that fast. It came back to me in four days. So um, that wasn't quite long enough to be away from my manuscript. So I took the rest of the weekend off and I hit it again today, which gave me eight days off, which was actually just about enough. I think Um, there, I think ideally a writer has about a month off of a work before going back into revise, but I can put it aside in about a week. And uh, and it's just flying by. The revision process today was fun and enjoyable. And boy, do I love walking into the next draft. I may have already mentioned that. And in reading news, I have been reading some awesome stuff. I just reread Larry Brooks' uh, Story Engineering, which is I just think a brilliant book. He really goes into the four-act structure. You may be familiar with the three-act structure. The four-act structure is exactly the same, except easy to understand. Um, So if you're having any problem structuring a short story, a novel, a memoir, I highly recommend his book, Story Engineering. And um, I also just finished The Glass Castle by Jeanette Walls, which was one of those books that I was... uh, really pushing against just because everyone was reading it for so long. And I still think it's on the bestseller list after something like seven years. Um, And you know what? They were all right. I was wrong as usual. It was an incredible book. I was actually reading it to see if the four act structure would fit into it. And it does. She, she used that structure, whether it was on purpose or organic, it's definitely in there. And um, what an incredible book. I really really enjoyed it. And last night I just started a fun read called Uprooted by, let me look. Oh, I just have to look at the desk. Um, by Naomi Novik. My sister recommended it. It's so good. You guys, it's called Uprooted. It's a fairy tale kind of story, which is not normally my go-to, um, main and stay in reading. And I can't get enough of it. Basically, all the work I'm doing today is just so that I can get back into that book, which for me is an ideal place to be as a reader, uh, always thinking about the book I want to get back into. Um, that's the dream for me when I find books. It makes me feel like a kid again. Remember when you used to, when you found that first Anne of Green Gables or Little Women or whatever those books were for you that you couldn't wait to live in. Um, That's always my goal as a reader to get back into those and as a writer to try to make those worlds that other people feel that way about. Oh my gosh, if I could do that, I'm, that's all I, that's all I want. Um, Before Dozy starts barking her little head off, 
Let's jump into the interview with Larissa Brown. Enjoy. Hey, you're a writer. Did you know that I send out a free weekly email of writing encouragement? Go sign up for it at rachelherron.com slash write. And you'll also get my Stop Stalling and Write PDF with helpful tips you can use today to get some of your own writing done. Okay, now on to the interview. Okay, well, today I have the privilege of speaking with my friend Larissa Brown. Hi, Larissa. Hello. <laughs> hey, just a little introduction for you. Larissa Brown writes books about Vikings and about knitting, as well as creating designs for hand knitters. Her first novel was Beautiful Wreck, and her second novel just launched and is called So Wild a Dream. She lives in Portland with her husband and son. And Larissa, I have to t- I have to like fully disclose that I was one of your advanced readers for Beautiful Wreck, and it is it still just remains one of the finest love stories I've ever read. I just thank you. I I remember I you know when somebody asks you to read their work for the first time, you're never sure. And I remember lying in bed, and I think I might have been fighting a migraine or something, and I started your book, and and I was like, oh, we'll see how far I can get into it, and I couldn't put it down. I read it that whole day, and I'm not that kind of person. I often, often I take a long time to finish a book. That one I just could not put down, and I have not been able to say enough about it since. So I can't wait to read the new one. Congratulations. How does it feel having it out? Um, kind of a relief and kind of scary. Yeah. Because, um, as you know, I was, like, really worried about writing a second book. And so and a, a lot of the things that I tried to learn um, – just made it really hard for me instead of just naturally writing another book. Like I tried to learn things and I mean, probably I'll talk with you about some of them that didn't work out, <laughs> but it's quite a relief, but it's also, uh, you know, waiting to hear what people say because I've been fortunate that people really love my first book and they're coming back and they're either saying like, this is great or, this isn't as good as that was. And, you know, I've always been very scared of those. I don't have the thickest skin. Well, no one does, especially writers. We just, we don't, we're so, uh, so many of us are so insular anyway. I know I am. Mm -hmm. And that putting our dearest hearts out there for people to read and touch and talk about without us. I just, I just saw on Twitter some kind of uh, tweet storm where someone was criticizing a book and, with her friends kind of making fun of it and tagged the author on Twitter. It was just so, it was just so harm hurtful. You don't, you don't need to do that, but I hope that you only get positive reviews. Thank you. That's that's not going to happen because that's not the way it works. But if it ever, go on, sorry. You have to learn. I think that, you know, your book's not going to be for everyone. People like different things and so that's not doesn't mean it's a bad book and that's something that you know everyone has to learn at the start and kind of believe and learn it and then you also have to believe it so that you can like move on and be okay one of the the things I love to do is I go I love to go to books that I love and read their one-star reviews uh uh-huh you know there are those books that I know that everyone has to love and they don't right right I know and then you're like Wait, did you read the same book I did? <laughs> Was it in the same language? Okay, let's jump into your process. Can okay. you tell me uh, what is the best time of day for you to write and where do you write? You know, with my first book, I was one of those people who could write anywhere. And I wrote in like the little 30 minute, like at the drum lesson while Sebastian was drumming, I was writing. And um, on the bus, 
I would ride a lot on the bus going to and from work or downtown for whatever. And uh, little snippets. And I wrote everything in pencil. I wrote all of Beautiful Wreck in pencil. Wow, I didn't know that. Song, it's like <laughs> 170,000 words. <laughs> so, it is that so, long? A lot of notebooks. Wow, it is that long? Yeah. Oh, I didn't realize that. Wow. And of course, to get there, I wrote more than that right. in pencil. So, <laughs> um, so I used to be able to write any time, and that was really a great skill. And I think I got like more concerned about uh, – I got pickier when I moved on and was writing new things. Then I got really lucky that I had a whole week writing retreat in like the quietest, most beautiful place. Um, my husband is also writing a novel. He and I went um, and had this retreat. Oh, nice. I was like, oh, it's nice to write in the quiet with a whole day. So <laughs> Was it officially organized or did you guys put that together? We went to a place, um, the Oregon Writers Colony has a house at the coast. It's gorgeous. But it's a house that can house like 20 people or something. So often they'll organize those, but we just the two of us. Because if you remember, you can rent the house. Oh, wonderful. So our cabin. It's an amazing cabin. And all these like cool authors have written their books there. And you're in there like, I'm writing in the room where this book was written. <laughs> That's awesome. But you can't have that every day. So I got really picky then and it was to like find the right time. So usually it's the middle of the day when everyone else is off doing something and I am alone. So And it's usually at the house? Um, it, usually I used to have to go to a cafe somewhere if I needed like a spot to have stuff. Um, but... I got this like co-working office space and so it's a place where you pay per month like a membership and then you use any desk when you walk in and it is incredibly quiet like you can't even eat an almond like people are like so quiet and there's a couch and stuff and there's a conference room like I actually use the conference room to do some editing on this book with my friend who was helping me that would make me feel very official yeah, it was very official, and so that was fun. <laughs> now, how do you write now? Are you still doing longhand on your first drafts? I'm trying to always do that. Mm -hmm. uh, I think the, the voice of the writing comes out very different for me. And one of the things I was doing in this book was um, two different, very different voices from the one that's in my first book. You know, the first book's in first person, person is like a very wistful romantic she has these observations that are you know these poetic thoughts and the people in this book are different well one of them is a viking man who's like 21 years old and i had to try to figure out how to how his voice worked and to to write from his point of view not only from a man but from a viking culture right so, and then the, the heroine of this book's really different from the one in the first book. So her voice is different too. And so some of it came out better on the computer sometimes, depending on the person and what I was writing. So, yeah, it was the, the like, the like really lovely swirly stuff comes out better in handwriting. And uh, in the next book, there's more of that. So I think I'm, I have a future right ahead of me writing a lot more in notebooks for this second half of the story. That is awesome. What is the worst writing advice you've ever been given? 
I was thinking about that. I got so much bad advice oh, for no. me. Not really bad advice, but it was like bad for me. I take advice to heart and I like try to implement it all. I'm really serious about it. I'm facing that from the outside right now with my kid doing his homework and being like a perfectionist and me trying to nobody really cares if you do every single thing, it's okay. And one of the things I learned um, over the past couple years writing on this second book that took forever was to like have every scene in your book further the plot and have every single thing that people do move the plot forward. And I wrote this, it was so tight. It was like, I mean, like reading the first draft of this book was like being shot into space. Like it was, like, it was so tight. It went so fast. Everything happened like this, 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 you could barely breathe. Like all this adventure happened and it was just way too fast. And I thought, God, I have this skill of sort of taking time to let you see the place and feel what it's like and be there. And that that's something that's part of my unique voice as a writer. Yeah. And I was taking this advice to like basically eradicate it <laughs> from my writing. Mm. So that set me up for like a whole year. So that was not good advice for me. Um, I think maybe if people are writing in a particular genre, uh, they might follow that advice and it would work better for them. But my books are kind of weird, like cross genres and kind of have their own way of being. And well, I have, don't. You have a poetic, lyrical voice too, and that doesn't always lend itself to action, drama, high stakes out. Yeah, know? and this has more action. And the first book, I was like, okay, well, what would a person do if they lived on a Viking farm in the 900s? Well, they'd be inside all winter, or they'd go like skiing somewhere. They'd be in caves. <laughs> they'd be like, you know, yeah. they'd have nothing to do. So I just started exploring what the daily life would be like. And because I have the background in fiber arts, you know, I know a lot of spinners. I've tried spinning. I'm not successful at it. But I've done um, some of the things. I've done yarn dyeing, natural dyeing. So it was natural to me to include, like, daily life stuff in the book. And in that way, um, you get the feeling of being there, but not everything moves the plot forward much at all. And I sometimes get feedback from people. It was so slow. I fell asleep. But most people like that about it. I love that. And I don't know if I told you I was in Iceland right about uh, this time last year. And I went to the um, the museum. I can't remember the name of it, but it's the Icelandic kind of life museum where they have the the, the housing and what it looked like inside. Okay. Yeah, and I and I could see everything in your book, and I could actually smell the things that you had described, even though there was no smell in this building. But from your work, it was, and I just couldn't stop talking about it. So it worked. It works for me. Thank you. Yeah, I I went to the National Museum. That's like on the water there in the city, right? And they had all the stuff that was um, buried in ash at the Viking house I visited. That was the model for the farm and beautiful wreck and now in this book because I knew that I needed like some visual model and the visual person. And yeah. so I found this pictures of this reconstructed Viking house and it's used in many movies and things. It's like a classic looking grass house. So I modeled her place after that real place. And then I got to go there. So cool. It's like magic. It was amazing. <laughs> it was the most magical place. Like we, I thought it was going to be like pretty barren around there because it, it was volcanic 
plains. Like, and it was pretty barren right around the house. And then the people I was with and I walked maybe five minutes away up over this little hill where in my book, the forge is there. And so lots of stuff happens there where they're looking down. And we walked past this and we walked into like paradise. There was this sort of grotto, like it was just this romantic place on earth. You know, there was a twin waterfall coming down into this pool that had a sort of slate beach and it was like kind of miniature. It was all small. And then there were these little caves and rock walls all around. And we all just kind of stood there like no one was speaking. And we stood there so long that we missed going inside the Viking house because it closed at six o'clock. <laughs> I never got inside. <laughs> I got all the way to Iceland and I never got in the house. <laughs> You'll go back. You'll do it again. I've been inside the house since you told me about it. I feel like I have been inside. I swear. I swear. I'm kind of glad I didn't get in because I have my of the house. Yeah. I did see all the stuff from that real house and in the actual house, not the reconstruction, which is right nearby. You can just sit on the seats where they sat and their heart is. And, you know, there's no, uh, there's nobody like working there and you have to pay to get in and all that stuff. There's not even like a string. It's so different from what it would be like here in America. Walked in and sat down and I was like, what would their butts have been? (laughs) And these intricate little, at the, at the museum, beautiful tools that the women used. Like every little needle case had like wolf's heads and scrolly ironwork and the combs were like these tiny tines made in bones, carved by hand in bone, like crazy. And I was like, yep, they were sitting around all winter. Like <laughs> they must have been like carving these little things. They had time to do it and then time to use them. Yeah. And then it was well preserved. So the stuff is absolutely perfect. Oh, that is so cool. Like a wooden doll, like little stuff that just makes you able to think you're like, you know, one of those people. I recently cool. saw a picture this last week uh, that, a, that a child had drawn maybe two or 3000 years ago, something like that. Um, they, they found it and it just looks like a kid drawing pictures of his mom and dad, except he has some kind of spear in one of them, but it just, it just brings it, it brings it all into perspective, right? We're the same people. I love that. I just love that. I, I try to imagine being the person who, was in this and I love that. Yeah. What secret writing tip of awesomeness have you discovered the hard way? Hmm. Don't try to make every scene move the action forward. <laughs> I actually wrote down a note because there were I, I think that um, there's one little trick that I learned that helped me, which I think is a pretty common one, but I was such a newbie, I didn't know anything. And that is to ask what if. Mm-hmm. And what was stuck on something or I wanted a better idea because I knew like this is boring I'd say well what if blah 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 and come up with like five of them and they could suck but um I have this you know whole other little series for a couple of the other characters after I get done with this one I'm like my imagination is like five books down the road and I'm way too slow trying to catch up with all my ideas so I'm getting fast so uh what if really worked well for me when I was thinking I needed something better and it's helping me also think of new ideas. Um, and, but bigger than that, uh, not a tip, but something I would say like to myself, maybe like two years ago when I was struggling with this is you, you already know what to do when you're a writer, you, 
you know, somehow in the back of your head or in your heart or in your gut, like you should be doing. And trying to follow too much advice was the mistake I made. Mm. Some people that's good. But for me, having like spreadsheets and just like plans and plots and all that stuff kind of like killed the writing for me. And I knew what I should be writing. And when I tried to make all those like spreadsheets and plots and plans out of it, I made myself like really bundled up and I couldn't do it right. So I do hear that from people that they, especially for that second book, the second book has so much weight around it. Like, can I pull this off one more time? It it feels good to have those spreadsheets and graphs and post-its and, but you just have to follow your heart. Scrolls and everything, <laughs> all the walls taking flow charts and like. <laughs> okay, so when you are running dry of ideas, how do you refill the creative well? Um, I read a lot, and it's it sounds like it might be similar to writing, but it's not really. I think um, it's so different for me. And this past year, I read nine of the Poldark novels in a row. I so read I any spent. Of those yet incredibly long time in pull dark world <laughs> and I really enjoyed them obviously because I kept going and um, it was interesting to me because the author did some things that were really beautiful one of the things he does is he really uses the landscape um, in Cornwall mm. and the weather to sort of cap scenes off or introduce them and so that the weather kind of becomes part of it and really sets the stage or kind of gives you that little sequel to like whatever the action was that happened in a scene. And that's something I aspire to do. And I think that I do sometimes. So it was interesting to see that from somebody else and appreciate it and then go, okay, this is working. This is not working. And I feel like his books are kind of the size of story and book that I'm trying to do. Like they have a, they're historical fiction and they have like a sweeping feeling to them but they're also stories about like this set of people um and they do have like scenes that are just everyday stuff they're doing and scenes that are more epic like about the landscape and the weather and stuff and so I really enjoyed it and I I learned a lot from reading it because I felt like it was kind of what I was trying to do that's really cool yeah and I so I spend a lot of time reading those and I also do like to just walk in our giant park that we have and the typical things I do cross. Sometimes it's good to just do something physical and forget about your head. Yeah. (laughs) Get right out of the head. I do yoga for that just to get out of this and just thinking about not falling over. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) On really bad days, what other profession do you wish you had if you couldn't be a writer? It's really funny that you ask that because I have always been like when I when I'm having like too much trouble with any kind of creative project, I've always said to to my husband, I just want to go work in the produce department. (laughs) You would totally hate that job. (laughs) I'm like, I want to. I want to make like the the like shapes with the vegetables, like all the like fancy like you know set up and like you know cut all the ends off and make them pretty and I just want to like do something you know I just want to do some work I have never thought about that job but I can absolutely see being attracted to it (laughs) so but it's so funny because he's always like no you'd hate that (laughs) (laughs) like let me dream okay (laughs) do it we wouldn't have enough money (laughs) 
But the grapes would look great. Yeah, it would be so fun. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. I love it. Can you give us a quick craft tip of any sort? Oh, gosh. Uh, you might have already laid them on us. Yeah. Hmm? You might what? have already laid them on us. I think so. I feel like, yeah, I feel like trusting my instinct is the big lesson for me right now. And so that's, that's my tip I would give myself. So that's absolutely not, huge. And why is it so hard? I wonder. It is hard for all writers. It is. I mean, we're all, everybody kind of has this part of ourselves that thinks we're inadequate. <laughs> Other people totally. are going to find. <laughs> totally. I think, I can't remember who one of my friends said this. It might've been Jay Wells recently on Twitter, but, but um, we're all looking for the writer to tell us how to actually do it so that it's easy. And then none yeah. of us really realize that nobody knows how to do that. It's just hard. No one knows. It's just hard. And it's, uh, I was talking about this with Martin and he says such great things. Not only that I would hate working in the produce department, <laughs> but he was like, don't worry. We're all deeply adequate. <laughs> <laughs> we were just talking about it last night. I was like, I'm feeling deeply adequate. My book came out. <laughs> I'm done with it. People are reading it. Excellent. <laughs> I, want a, I want a t-shirt that says deeply adequate. <laughs> yeah, I, want to, I want to embroider it on a pillow. <laughs> But I don't because I won't do that. But. Please. Oh, I don't know. Uh, somebody somebody out there listening should do that, please, for us. Just make us happy. Okay. And Larissa, before I let you go, what would you like to plug right now? Would you like to tell us about your new book? Maybe a little bit about what it is about? Yeah. Um, so it's a companion to the first book. Oh, which good. is about A woman who accidentally travels back in time from a sort of bleak, sort of impersonal 22nd century back to the 10th century in Iceland. And she finds her place and she finds her epic love. And um, the main character, the guy in that book, has a brother. And this book is about the brother oh, awesome. and a new female character who also comes from the 22nd century, but it's not an accident this time. And so um, it's her story and it's Brosa's story. And... I'm excited. It's it's part one. I got into this story and it was just enormous. And even I like couldn't hold it all in my head. And I never did like books where they were broken up into. And so finally, I admitted that that was what I really should do. And it's a struggle for me. because I feel like people are like, but this book's not the same. And I'm like, but you have to wait for the other part. But I don't have it yet. <laughs> all done. I have it like halfway done. And so I hope people will read this book and I hope they'll be excited. And I see this story as a marathon, not a sprint, as they say. And I also see several other stories for this same group of people that come after that. So I would, you know, love to plug that current book. So it's so wild a dream. Here it is. So I got dream. If you're watching on YouTube, you can see it or on Facebook. It's such a gorgeous cover and it is available everywhere. Available on Kindle? Uh, not in regular, like, physical bookstores. Um, we're still figuring out, really, how. Yeah. Like, Powell's yeah. beautiful rack here in Portland, but it's, I don't, we don't know exactly how to do that yet. In but a, on all what, the e-vendors. Yeah. yeah, as an independent, but yes, it's on all e-book, like, things I've never even heard of have it. Like, Tara, <laughs> I found out yesterday. So, it's got it. So, it should be everywhere, online, digital. Right. Yep. The imprint on Amazon. Oh, perfect. Thank you so yeah. much, Larissa. I cannot wait to read this. And thanks so much for being a guest today.
Thank you. Thanks so much for joining me on this episode of How Do You Write? You can reach me on Twitter, Rachel Heron, or at my website, rachelheron.com. You can also support me on Patreon and get essays on living your creative life for as little as a buck an essay at patreon.com slash Rachel, spelled R-A-C-H-A-E-L. And do sign up for my free weekly newsletter of encouragement to writers at rachelheron.com slash write. Now go to your desk and create your own process. Get to writing, my friends. Mm-hmm.